Now, it's going to be tough for me because what I'm sharing is going to have a lot to do with my own life. In Ephesians, I'll probably be everywhere, I don't know. But in Ephesians, I was this morning, I was from about cover to cover, from Exodus to Revelations all morning. I get the blessing of God not really telling me what I need to speak about or teach about until right before I do it. My wife calls it a blessing. Not me. Hopefully I can portray, maybe in just some way in my manner, I'm not very good with words, but if some way I can portray to you my heart and God's heart and these things that I share, you know where I stand. And the purpose of my message is in all purity and all sincerity. I just think upon you guys. I know there's new faces, but it doesn't matter. I think about you guys through the week, and I just, I just long for you guys as Christ does, as he does for my own life. I just have a longing for holiness and purity. Even though we're in this world full of distractions and corruptions and a million different things to pull us and distract us, whether good or evil. Remember, there was, in the knowledge, in the garden, there was the knowledge of tree, the, wow, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you ate thereof, you'd surely die. There was two things on that tree. There was good and evil. It's not just evil that kills you. All the devil wants us to do is get wrapped up doing so many good things, we don't have time to do eternal things. And if we get so worldly-minded, we'll be heavenly useless. But when we get so heavenly-minded, we're worldly useless. Okay, let's get into the... Let's get in here. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. I'll begin reading there in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. In verse 20, you, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught of him. In accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former ways, a way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here Paul was writing to the Ephesians. And he was insisting, he was insisting something. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. If we're truly born of God, we're going to live in this world, but we're not of this world. He's made us new. And if you're not new, you're not saved. But he's urging people, don't live like everyone else. There's the sheep and the goats. How many times, if you've read this book, how many times do you imagine that God said, come out from them and be separate, be holy, and I will be your God and you will be my people? And not just in our own life, but in the prayer, in the quiet time, what's unseen. 
What is, your, what is our prayer life like? What is your quiet time with God like? What's our, I've read once that a man is what his thoughts are. A man's life, of also, similar, a man's life is what he thinks upon all day. So then I ask, what is your life? What consumes your thoughts all day? That is who you are. That is who you are. There's no mistaking it. Only you know your thoughts. I can't say that I know your thoughts and I'm trying to point a finger at somebody. But only you know your thoughts. A man is what he thinks upon all day. And here he's urging not to, not to live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their mind, the foolishness, just the senselessness of their mind, They've dark, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. Is that you this morning? Are you separated because of the darkness, because of the hardening of your heart? When we harden our heart to the things of God, we get drawn away. And it's so easy to be entangled with things in this world. There's always a new show coming on. There's a new thing on the internet. There's a new thing posted on your page. There's always something new. It's moving, moving, always going. There's always no, some fancy thing. It's a continual distraction. And that leaves us, as it says, with a continual lust for more. Let me tell you a secret that you may already know. When you give your, thing, your heart to the things of this world, it consumes you. When you give your heart to the things of this world, it consumes you. It doesn't matter what it is. You all know what I'm talking about, I believe. But if you give your heart to the things of God, it sets you free. How free are you? How free are you this morning? I've learned more about myself this year than I've ever have in my entire life. And it's mostly, mostly, mostly one thing. I can't do a single thing. I'm not saying that in any false humility. I know for a fact who this man is and I can't do a single thing on my own. I can't stay, I couldn't stay pure. I can't stay in a right standing with God. I can't stay in a right standing with my own family. I can't control my thoughts. I can't do anything without Christ, without His blood to cover me and to wash me and to be my strength. I can't do it. And neither, none of of you can. No one can do that. And if you think you can, you're believing a lie. It's a shadow that's holding you back. I'll continue on. In 19, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. To sensuality. That's not even just, that's not complete indulgence in sexual morality. I can't speak, I'm so stirred up. But they give themselves over to it due to the hardening of their hearts. And think about this as their TV. How many of you at one time in your life was bothered when a certain commercial would come on? But then now it doesn't bother you because you're used to it. How many times would it maybe bother you when something would come on on some program and it would, you'd have to turn away, but now you've seen it so many times it doesn't bother you? How many has heard that story of if you put a frog 
in a pot of boiling water, it jumps out. But if you put a frog in a pot of lukewarm water and then slowly warm it up, it dies. That's us if we're not careful. If we let our hearts get hard, I don't go to places that some people go to. I can't. I don't go into some stores that some people can. Not because I'm so religious or righteous, but because because I know God's heart. And it's not because of a weakness. And if one of you guys maybe can, you can go to the beach or go somewhere. It's not because you guys are so pure. You might be too hard. I have a hard time going to the mall. Not because of the stores, but just seeing the faces. And just seeing the people that are just blowing through this life and they have no idea. And their hearts are so hard you can't get through to them. And my heart's so hard at times that I can't even do anything about it. Because we've lost our sensitivity. Even the church of God has lost its sensitivity to things of God. And we're so entangled with the things of this world or tradition or different things to keep it busy and to keep it going. That there's the whole time there's a world out there dying because we don't know how to pray. We got family members being taken away from us and the devil just wrecking their lives because we can't get through to God. I can't fix it. The preacher can't fix it. I'm just a weak man that for some silly reason God puts up here. (laughs) Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge with every kind of impurity with the continual lust for more. If you feed it, if God is putting something on your heart right now, if you feed it, it gets stronger. If you feed it, it gets stronger. That thing in your life that you hate so much, that some of you, some of you may not, but some of you have something in your life that you hate so much, but you can't stop it. But it gets fed. Just enough to keep alive, maybe. But it gets fed. If you give yourselves over to God, He is a consuming fire. You can't beat it on your own. You can't do it. You can get better, you can clean up, you can do whatever, but you can't be holy. And without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's why this hurts me so much. Because without holiness, no one will see Him. And what does it say in Revelations when they were praising God because the marriage supper of the Lamb has come? It says, because the bride has made herself ready. That's God's church. That's you. Because the bride has made herself ready. Are we ready? Do we expect to sit in front of that movie or whatever, maybe even a computer, or look at the things that we're looking or watching soap operas or other, whatever other stuff that you know God hates but you love it so much? Are we going to come out of that immediately right into Christ's arms? Do you think we'll just fly out of that cesspool right into his presence? 
No, the bride has to make herself ready. I'll continue on. You, however, did not come to know him, know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught of him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Have you been taught that? I hope. That's taught far less than it should be anymore. There's a putting off of your old self. You cannot come to life until you first died. You cannot have resurrection power until you've died, until you've had a personal Calvary. And we have to ask our hearts that. Have you had a personal Calvary? Had you had a moment where you went up the hill in front of everybody and died to it all? Not just, God's not in the business of patching us up. He's in the business of making us new. And it's not a list of rules. It's guidelines to not be destroyed in his presence. It's not the, oh, well, you do these few little things and I'll love you. It's, you will die. You enter my presence and you will be destroyed if you come in here like that. What did he tell Moses? Remember Moses when he seen it on the burning, the burning bush? He came up to it to see what it was. And immediately God said, stop, Moses, don't come any closer. Take your shoes off. This is holy ground. God knew if he, this man comes any closer, he's going to be destroyed. He's too close to me. We take even in the book of Daniel, he had a vision and he was the only one, there was friends with him, he was the only one that seen it. But it said those who were with him fled with terror. And when he seen the sight of it, he fell down. And all of his strength was gone. He had nothing left. This is the God that we are here to worship. This is him. Before we can get a right standing of who Jesus, we can't get a right standing of who we are until we see who he is. And through the fear of the Lord, men depart from iniquity. If there's sin that keeps coming up in your life, it's a lack of the fear of God. It's not a lack of discipline. It's not a lack of, well, I needed to focus more, stay or stay out of this. It's a lack of the fear of God. That's all it is. That's the one and simple thing. You wash yourself in this word. If you feel dirty or filthy, you wash yourself. Wash your mind with this word. Read it and soak it as the greatest priority of your life. You have a better chance of survival not eating food than skipping your time with God. Read through this book and prove me wrong if you don't think so. Those that strayed from the Lord perished. Hosea 4.6 says, My people perish from lack of knowledge. My people perish from lack of knowledge. And my goal, my purpose isn't to... We come into church and we, we hear something that's so high and lofty. and we, ah, that's, a good, that's a good message. That's a good teaching. That makes sense. And we walk out the door and it doesn't affect us. It's not real. It's always up here. God made everything. There's nothing in this book that you can't understand with the Holy Ghost. This isn't a dead book, my friends. This book is alive. This book is a living miracle. It'll jump out of this page and change everything. This thing cut me years ago and I've never healed. I'll never get over what this thing done to me. I'll never get over it. You take John in Revelations chapter 1. When he seen God, 
This is the man who walked with him, who reclined and leaned upon his bosom. This is that man who knows what Jesus looks like. It's not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon the little child. He's not coming back an 8-pound, 10-ounce baby next time. I'll share with you what happened. The man who knows him. I turned around to see a voice that was speaking to me. And when, it, when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Among the lampstands was someone who looked like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet. And with a golden sash around his chest, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. And you want to know what happened to this man? Did he walk up and say, hey, buddy, pal, I haven't seen you in many years now. It's good to see you. No, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. He got a view of the risen Christ. And he fell down as dead. This is John. Are we going to stand in his presence? Not a single one of us is going to stand when his glory is revealed. And you're going to be paralyzed with fear if you show up full of iniquity. Or even that one sin you can't get rid of. God is in the business of making you new. He didn't lie and say he was going to patch you up. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. And if you walk in the light as he is in the light, he will purify you from all impurity. Every single thing. Not one last thing. Do not underestimate the power of the blood of Christ. He can wash you clean, no matter how long it's been, how many times you've tried, how many times you've even done the Jesus thing, his blood still is powerful enough to do it. He tasted death for every single one of us. Now, our oldest girl, Isabel, she'd watch some sappy movie she was telling me about, because she, the girl, loves those, but what, I, don't under, I don't understand them. But she was telling me there was this, uh, this movie about this man, he had this sickness, and he died so he could set her free because she was in love with him and he knew she was hold- or he was holding her back. And uh, I was trying to make a connection to this world because we take Jesus out of this world and we can't connect him. And then, of course, she goes and does whatever that she wanted to do. That he- and I said, that's just like Christ. I was like, now how sad would it have been at the end of this movie if this man went ahead and died to set her free and she stayed right where she was at? And do you ever think Christ, don't just take the multitude, Christ dying for you to set you free and you sit where you're at. Just in life or even in your, your thoughts or your actions or the places you go, the things you watch, the things you say, the things you think. But I'm going to tell you something. Let me read this. Let me read where we get it, where we get it, where we get strength. Remember in Second Chronicles where it says, The eyes of the Lord range to and fro all over the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. God is looking. He is seeking. He is always seeking. He's looking for one man, one woman, one child. It doesn't matter how old or how young, where you're at. God can use a donkey. God can use anyone. 
He's looking for one person completely sold out to Christ that's done with this world. Said, this world's tossed me this way and that way and all over the place and I'm sick of it. I'm tired. I'm done with it. I want to know the risen Christ. One man or woman, that's all he wants. Look what he did with 12. He shook the whole world. It's never too late. You still have a heartbeat. If you ever think you've gone too far or you've done too much or he wouldn't forgive me, I've been here too many times, why is your heart still beating? Everything in God's creation has a purpose. Everything. If you had no purpose, you wouldn't be here. You'd be gone already. There's no way around it. Don't let the devil lie to you because he's lying to you now. Some of you. I'm going to read some more about what I told you in Daniel. This is him who stood with Christ. Okay, I'll read it. I'll read it all in Daniel 10, verse 7. You don't have to turn there, but I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me. I'll start back in four. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river Tigris. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a, fine, with a belt of finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his leg, arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at his great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and I listened to him, and I fell into a deep sleep, and my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel... You who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you, and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Now jump to 15. While, I was, while he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and I was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. He couldn't even speak in the presence of glory. I said to the one standing before me, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I'm helpless. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, O man highly esteemed. He said, Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And he said, Speak, my Lord. Or I said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. You can't discipline it away. God has to touch you. He had to touch Daniel. He has to touch me. He has to touch you. This man couldn't even, couldn't even move on the ground. He was touched before he could even get on his hands and knees. And he was commanded to stand up and had to be given strength to even speak. 
Is this the God you serve? Is this the God you know? That you can't make it one day out of his presence? Or is it your own ability? And this right here got me. I was a little envious. In 19, it says, do not be afraid, O man, highly esteemed. I paused at that, and I was like, man, I wish I could be Daniel. (laughs) That God would say that about me. And I said, God, let me sit there for a little bit and think about it and just long for holiness. And then he shared this to me. He says, but think about this. You're dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Who do you think God esteems more, Daniel or Christ? If you've been born again, he looks at you and sees his son. If you would love for God to touch you or to speak to you or to give you strength, like he did Daniel, he'll give you much more if you're in Christ. He's, giving, he's not just given us Christ, he's given us all things. All things for life and godliness. Every single thing we need is laid at our feet in Christ. Just laid there. Everything. Nothing's held back. God holds nothing back from us. We are the one that holds things back from God. He cannot make holy something we don't give him. I could give him my checkbook, or give, we can give him the checkbook, or give him my wallet, say, God, sanctify this, make it holy. Okay, he can do that. I can be disciplined with my money. Okay, God, I want to be disciplined with my time and my Bible reading. He can do that. God, I want to be disciplined with my mind. But I don't know if I'm going to give you that. I want to be disciplined and holy on the things I look at. But we don't want to do that. God, I want everything you have. Just don't invade on me too much. I still have my stuff I kind of want to do. See, in America, Christianity is like a like an accessory. It's something we add to our lives. It's just something we tack on to it. We get, maybe we're out of church for a long time. We get married, we settle down. Well, I like to have my kids in church. So we, we got everything lined up and then, well, let's just start going to church too. Everything's kind of situated and balanced and we can manage. And It's an accessory. Jesus Christ is everything or he's nothing. He's not an accessory to tack on to our life. He's not something to do before we eat or on Sundays or maybe if we're real spiritual, we'll come on Wednesday nights in a special meeting. He's everything or he's nothing. Jesus is Lord of all or he's, Lord, he's not Lord at all. He wants us to be holy, to be pure, that we can enter into his presence, that he can give us life, life that we don't understand overflowing, shaken down, pressed together, running over life. Apart from that, it's just religion. And it's boring and it's cold and it's dead. He never called you into just a religious system. He came to set you free. Set you free. How free are you? How free are you? He's only looking for one. What could he do with one person? Look at what God can do, or look, wait, look at what the devil can do with a wicked tongue. How much do you think God could do with your tongue? 
Look what the enemy can do with enticing people to go watch this or do this. Or What could God do? How much has the devil destroyed in your life? Are you happy with it? How much have you seen the devil destroy other people's lives? You know the one reason we don't have revival? Because we're content to live without it. You know the one reason that family members and loved ones and people we work with are living a life completely against God and are going to hell? Because we are content to live that way. You know why you haven't gotten through to God about things in your life or someone else? Because you are content to live that way. Is it okay? Does it break you? Is your attention span so short that you get drawn off? Discipline. Discipline yourself and come into his presence. We don't have much time. The hour is closer. He said, he said, they said 2,000 years ago to be sober, be sober. The end of the world is coming, so to speak. If it was coming 2,000 years ago, how close is it today? Let me ask you, what does Christianity cost you? What does Christianity, what has Christianity cost you? You see, I think it was, it was C.S. Lewis that said, our God is, I can't remember, our God is a dangerous God. See, the problem is we serve a God that is, it's not dangerous. We serve a God that just asks us to give a little or to maybe spend a little time reading, or like I said, maybe come to a meeting here or there. But our God is dangerous. Our God takes everything. What did it cost Christ? A little bit. It cost him everything to buy you. It cost us everything to get him. Putting off of the old self... You must put it off. If any man would come after me, he must deny himself and come follow me. If any man comes to follow me and he puts his hand to the plow and turns and looks back, he's not even fit to be my disciple. God doesn't play games. And we can't play games either. Not with this God. Look at these men throughout this book that fell at his feet as dead. They were paralyzed in fear. Look at Isaiah Immediately into God's presence, he starts calling down curses on him. Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live and dwell in a land of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king. He knew he was dead. But it wouldn't tell the cherub flew down and atoned for his sin. It said, your guilt is taken away. Your guilt, all of it. How much are you carrying? Did God make you to carry that weight? Did God make you to carry a burden like that? Is this just your own sin that you have to deal with? Christ came to set you free. And it's only through His blood and the power of the cross and His resurrection that you can be free. There's no doubt. There's no doubt in my heart. 
But we hold back. And many of you, there's no doubt. But why do we hold back? What's stopping us? What consumes our thoughts? Are we broken about this world? Are we broken about even about the one little thing that might be in our life? Are we content to live with it? Are we going to lay at the feet of our Savior and beg for Him and stay there until we get it? Has God changed you? Are you changed? Do you look more like a church person, but maybe inside you're not and you know it? He can change you. He changed me. And I don't want to preach myself, but he's, he changed me. And let me ask this, and this is a good example for your life here. Now imagine that we came here, and I showed up 30 minutes late. And you kind of was concerned, like, what's going on? Were you, did you not care about coming? Man, you... Running behind, doesn't it bother you? What if I said, well, on the way here on the highway, I had a flat tire, and I went to change it, and one of the, I, was, I was busy trying to hurry, and one of the lug nuts rolled out in the highway, and I ran out there to get it, and I was hit by a semi, and that's why I'm late. Okay, now I know that this, this society, or our culture, and our schools don't really teach logic anymore, logical thinking. But logically, there would only be one of two answers. I'm either a liar or I'm a madman. Correct? You would say there's no possible way, Brother Tom, that you can have an encounter with something as big as a semi and not be changed. And then we'd say to ourselves, there's no possible way that you can have an encounter with something as big as God and not be changed. If you thought you did, maybe you felt some little tickles or some butterflies and you had a little bit of goosebumps, but you weren't changed. You didn't meet God. If he isn't purifying your life and making you more holy than you were last year, last week, examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. He will purify a people. No one who continues to live in sin has either seen him or known him. And if you say, well, I haven't sinned, then you call God a liar. It's even a greater sin. How free are you? How content are you to live with the things of this world? I hope God can search us. He's been searching me. I feel like I've been getting destroyed on every side. The side God's trying to build and the side the devil's trying to destroy. And I'm just caught in the middle. Praise God for it. He wants us holy. Because sin separates us. Our desires separate us. Let me read it one more time. We put off our old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. The heart is wickedly deceitful. You cannot know it. It's not about trusting your heart. Our desires are deceitful. Our flesh 
is deceitful. Your own mind is deceitful. It deceives yourselves and tricks you into doing things that you don't want to do. It does. But then you continue to do them, and you don't want to do it. But you continue to do it some more, even though you don't want to. That's life. He said we're to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self created to be like God. Every one of you is created to be like God. You are created to be a light unto the nations. All he needs is one person completely sold out to him. Every one of us was made to be a light as an instrument. Well, remember this, as he spoke, the scripture spoke about the Messiah. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Now take this, say you had a, a reed and you're going to make an instrument out of it. And due to the, the weakness of the reed, it was bruised. So what do you do? Throw it out, kick it out the door. It's just a reed, get another one. There's millions of other reeds. Kick it out, get rid of it, forget it. Throw it away, it's not worth anything. But that's not who God is. God takes your life and mends it again, and mends it again, and mends it again. You break your life, or you even get your life bruised, and he mends it. He doesn't throw you out. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. A wick that is still smoldering, if you touch it, it still has heat in it. It's not a flame. But if there's still heat, if there's still warmth, if God maybe even has one day that he can stir something up in you, there's hope. He will not snuff you out. He will tend it, and he will tend it again and again until you're a flame, until you're a burning fire, a light unto the nations. That's what you were created to be, like God. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I'll say this before I'm done. We are as holy as we want to be, church. You are, as, you are only as holy as you want to be. You are as close to God as you want to be. No matter how mad you, bad you might think you want to, you are as close as you want to. How free are you? Remember, as I said before, when you give your heart to the things of this world, it enslaves you. But when you give your heart to the things of God, it sets you free. It sets you free. I pray. And... God, as your word says, for freedom you have set us free. God, that this, this church might know you, that this church would be a beacon unto everyone it touches or sees it. God, that we, you would be a, 
a pillar of fire in this place, that you would purify a holy people, a holy priesthood, as you've promised, God, you've said it, that our hearts would line up with it. God, you'd set us free from our mind and our actions and the thoughts and the things that we so earnestly want to do, that our lives would be burnt up for eternal things, God, that you would get the glory, that our mighty King would be exalted and praised from our, even our weak life, God, that you wouldn't even take, there's no such thing as a great man of God, but you would take all of us weak and lowly people and use us for your glory. That you might show your strength and your mighty power, that you are not too far away to save, that you are God of close by, and that the enemy cannot stand a chance, and that what you have started, all the gates of hell cannot war against. God, rise us up in true righteousness and holiness, God. You would set us apart, sanctify a people willing to do your will and your work and your mighty deeds on this earth in this time that is short for these days are evil, God, that our eyes and our ears would be open to your calling and your leading. And we burn our lives up in the place of prayer that our hearts never get content while we live in this world. And that your son, that Jesus in his great and mighty name would be exalted. And to him be all the glory and all the power and all the praise, God. Until the day that you take us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. If you have a prayer request or any other need, we would love to hear from you. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 400, Riverton, Kansas 66770. Or call us at 620-848-3347. You may find us on Facebook and online at RivertonFBC.com. Our Sunday school classes begin at 9.45 a.m. with worship services at 10.45 a.m. In addition, small group Bible studies meet on Sunday nights in various homes within the community. Please join us on Wednesday nights for a community-wide meal at 6, followed by Bible study for all ages at 7. The church is located at 6895 Southeast Bluebird Lane, just two blocks north of the Riverton Quick Stop or one block south of Community Bank and Trust and one block west. This is downtown Keith Brown inviting you to join us again next Sunday morning at 830 for another exciting message from God's Word. Have a great week and God bless.